Hi, this is Reese Winan. You're listening to Iron City Rocks from Pittsburgh. Hi, this is Tommy Shannon, and you're listening to Iron City Rock. Enjoy it. episode 445 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. We are welcoming in this episode, we have Kirk Fletcher, bluesman extraordinaire. Kirk, um, this will be his fifth uh, solo album. The album will be out on September 25th. It's called My Blues Pathway on Cal- uh, Cleopatra Records. Uh, Kirk also played on uh, two of the, the uh, Joe Bonamassa uh, live albums, Muddy Wolf at Red Rocks in 2015 and Live at the Greek in 2016. He's uh, done a ton of other work with uh, the Manish Boys. Uh, played with the fabulous Thunderbirds, which we talk about in the interview. He's played on um, Thunderbirds frontman Kim Wilson's solo album back in 2001. So we're going to play a little bit of Kirk's new album. We're going to get into the interview with Kirk Fletcher.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, my pleasure to welcome to Iron City Rocks, calling us all the way from Switzerland this morning. Uh, we have Mr. Kirk Fletcher on the line. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How you doing? I am doing really, really well. I had an opportunity to, to get a copy of your forthcoming album, My Blues Pathway, um, and really looking forward to getting a chance to talk to you about it. Um, you have um, you know, a pretty extensive uh, you know, career in the blues. You spent some time with the fabulous Thunderbirds. Uh, obviously, um, you did some work with Joe Bonamassa, which, you know, I think probably got you some great exposure as well. But this album, I think, is really neat because it, it goes in a lot of different directions. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, specifically putting this project together? This is, what, your fifth album, sixth album? Sixth album, yeah. I w- well, I would definitely say um, this record is sort of like a, sort of like a homecoming record of sorts. You know, it's sort of like, you know... 25 years later or so, you know, or longer later after going through all these different musical experiences, because the first record I've done, I'm Here and I'm Gone, is sort of like my blues record and it's sort of my, you know, first thing in the blues world and everything like that. So now it's sort of like the the path has led me back to that again. Now as now a singer a songwriter, you know, and all of those things, you know, and, and, you know, lived all that life in between those things and experiences. So yeah, it led me right back to the blues. And the other thing is just making music that might excite somebody and make somebody, you know, like happy and think of the blues. Maybe it's not, you know, boring or there's different types of blues and it can be just as, exciting as anything else you know yeah and that's a great point you bring up about the perception of the blues maybe to someone who isn't into it um yeah that it's not all just a you know 75 beats per minute kind of slow shuffle with a (laughs) you know guy wailing his heart up but that's one thing i really enjoyed about your album is it's got a bunch of different flavors to it you know i mean you know from the first song you know even i think of the first single no place to go Mm-hmm. To me, feels very like it's got some R and B influences to it. Yeah. But then yeah. you listen to you know, life gave me a dirty deal, and I think I feel like I'm maybe listening to Robert Johnson or, you know, yeah. it's got kind of you know from a guitar perspective, obviously there's yeah. a great harp on that song. But um, when you were putting the songs together, do you, you know, was the title of the album something that came afterwards? Because when you put a title like My Blues Pathway, you you don't want to throw in a you know, maybe a song with a totally stylistically different. Yeah. Um, you know, did did the songs kind of come together as compositions? And you know, some of them obviously are covers. Did you kind of decide on that and then say, okay, here's what I want to call the album, or do you do you set the title sort of as the goal and then build the songs around the concept? Well, it was you know, I this, the record I definitely came up with the title afterwards, but it was sort of like a you know, putting together this thing, it all kind of helped happened in steps. You know, at first I was going to do a record, you know, kind of all over the place, you know, just kind of like whatever, uh, you know, whatever I was feeling, you know, just not really think about too much of a stylistic thing. But then it started to morph into this whole, you know, like, hey, let's make a blues record. But a blues record for 2020, you know, so that's 
my history, you know, like you think about, I really studied a lot of blues history and played with different people, you know, and everything. So I, I really wanted to do like a, you know, sorry, I lost my train of thought there for a minute. <laughs> but, you know, I, you know, basically I want to do like just a, a tribute kind of thing to, um, you know, my inspirations, my early inspirations and things like that, you know, in the blues first start going out on the scene well, Kirk you mentioned your early inspirations you're actually uh, you know especially for the you're younger than me and for a, a blues player you're really young uh, even when you think about mm-hmm. it, a lot of the, you know the people that you think about in the, the blues other than yourself and Mr. Bonamassa who we alluded to and you know I think of yeah. some other Anthony Gomes for example um, yeah. but you're pretty young you know, relative to some of the big players in the blues industry, what turned you on to the blues music? You know, and that's kind of you know, obviously Stevie Ray Vaughan was you know making some noise, Robert Cray, you know, yeah. during your formative years. But were there? Did, did you kind of start with the classics, or did you work with a contemporary and work backward? Well, you know, it was pretty seamless for me because my father was a pastor of a church, you know, so I grew up playing in church, you know, so that kind of like Southern Pentecostal church, you know, like not really a lot of organs, just, you know, like guitars, the main thing, you know, I mean, it was really down home sort of like church, you know, so it it really kind of you know, lend itself in quartet music, gospel groups and stuff like that kind of lend itself already to blues, you know, and bluesy things, you know, and I've just always been a fan of that as well as other kinds of music, but it just kind of was a natural progression, you know, when I was into my late teens, you know, to kind of just go into that because I really like guitar. I like B.B. King, Stevie Ray Vaughan and all those people because I was, I was kind of doing the church thing, the gospel thing, and still on MTV, you could see people like Stevie Ray Vaughan and Robert Cray, you know, and stuff. So I was kind of getting it from different sides. And then, you know, like the guitar magazines and everything, you know, it was just a kind of a good time to play blues or start out playing blues, you know. Yeah, it's it, when I look at you, you're, if I'm correct, you're 44 now, and, and I, I, I think yeah. about what, you know, in your teenage years, that was still kind of the heyday of like the super shredders, and, you know, the, the, you know, I remember the guitar worlds and the guitar for the practicing yeah. musicians and stuff, yeah. you know, the Iron Maidens and the Judas Priest, yeah. and, you know, so there, we don't see a lot of, you know, uh, we don't see enough, I should say, uh, you know, really standout blues players that came out of that era, you know, because you know, other than Stevie Ray and Robert Cray, there it wasn't what was on the radio, at least where I was from. Yeah. Um. So it's great to see, you know, people like yourself coming forward, and, and obviously Joe. Um. I don't know what he was listening to up in New York, but he obviously got a thirst for the blues. Um, yeah. It's great to see you guys taking this forward. Can you talk? A little, you spent some time with with Kim Wilson and the Fabulous Thunderbirds. Can you just talk a little bit about how that came about? And you know, they've got such a, a I think an awesome collection of music that I think the world never gets to hear. Yeah. Well, you know, Kim Wilson, I actually, um, there was this um, other gentleman named Al Blake who was sort of a fixture on the, the LA blues scene and sort of a historian harmonica player. And he played with this fantastic guitar player named Hollywood fats. 
So he was the guy that I kind of studied with, you know, and I was kind of his protege, you know, in a way. He would teach me all this stuff about, you know, blues and the history of it and everything. So he introduced me to Kim Wilson long, long time ago. You know, so me and Kim Wilson, I played with him at first and I wasn't ready yet. So then like six months later, I played with him again and I was ready. Then I joined his blues band. So then, you know, I went off to play with Charlie Musselwhite and then I, and then the door, the, uh, you know, the opportunity opened itself up to play with, uh, the fabulous Thunderbirds. So then that's how I joined the T-Birds in 2004. Yeah, that uh, and you guys did what was the out there? You did one album with them, right? It was painted yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, that was a it was a fantastic band. It's one of those bands I, th- I think of like Thin Lizzy, where it's it's almost a crime how little of their material you you know the average person knows. You know, wrap it up and yeah, tough enough, tough but enough, doesn't yeah. know the just amazing amount. I was thankful enough at one point to capture video of them. It was before you joined the band. That was with yeah. Kid Ramos. Oh yeah, my buddy Kid Ramos, man, definitely. Yeah. That was, that DVD but, just cemented my I love oh, the, of, yeah. of the Fabulous Centerbirds and Kim's uh, harmonica playing is just unbelievable. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> the um when you were going through and putting this together, obviously you worked with um uh the great harmonica player Charlie Musselwhite. Um, on Life Gave Me a Dirty Deal. Do you want to talk a little bit about that track in particular and, and you know how it came to be? Well, yeah, I played with Charlie Musselwhite in the very early 2000s, like probably 2002, 2001, 2002, till I joined the T-Birds. And, you know, that's just a blues legend. I mean, his stories, and he treated me really well and took care of the band. And it was just great. It was a fantastic time on the road to be out traveling with a legend, you know. And we've just been friends, you know, we remained friends through throughout all this time. And back then I was just, you know, sort of like a guitar player in a band, you know. And it was great to have him come, you know, after I'd come full circle and doing my own thing now for him to come and play on the track you know it was really really cool you know i was just honored to have him on there and then i found out later the song juke boy bonner charlie musselwhite did shows with juke boy bonner so it even brought out a different you know element yeah that's like wow that's cool yeah that's the way to do it um i have to ask uh obviously one of the one of the things in the album and it jumps out in the very first track the you know a great man said he had a dream that line in that song when did that hit you that's you know for those who haven't heard the song great man had a dream do you still dream when we led by a screen um when did that hit you it seemed so you know just really struck a chord i imagine it will with a lot of people well, yeah, you know, it's like the, the, I think the main part of that is the dream. <laughs> I think that was, you know, I had a dream, you know, Mr. King, I had a dream. Do you still dream? Are you just looking at your computer all the time? Which I know I look at my computer all the time. <laughs> you know, so that really, it was really more about dreaming because when I was a kid, you know, I had a lot of time by myself, you know, and I would just be in my room playing guitar and I would dream of someday, you know, doing 
you know, having my own house, dream about this, whatever, you know, and it seems like everything wasn't so available. You know, it seems like people just dream more and wish for things and growing up in church, you know, it's like this whole faith thing that you have to have. And it just seems like I lived in a world when I was younger that people had more dreams than they have now. You know, I have a daughter. She's tw- she just turned 23. You know, and, and, and it seems like the youth sometimes, it seems like they're a little bit jaded already. Like when I was like, you know, 20, I, I had every dream in the world. You know, I went to like, you know, guitar player, go out and see people. And it was like all about the event, you know, so. That really, that, that, that line really came from my own personal, you know, Martin Luther King having a dream, you know, and do you still dream? Just giving you something to think about, you know, art being led by a computer screen. (laughs) Yeah. I I think that was, it's neat when, when you, you listen to a song, you know, in the genre of the blues and, and, you know, you acknowledge it in another track. I don't remember which one offhand, but you know that it was 2020. You know, oh, yeah. it's, it's like a, it's got a freshness to it. And listening to that line from "Ain't No Cure for the Downhearted," I think with you know the Americans, you know, generation that have grown up with their neck bent down at their te- telephone, you know, yeah. and the racial issues in the United States, I think the line in the song just really kind of jumped out at me. Um, so, uh, well done there. Um, question for you, just from an arranging standpoint, because you know you use a lot of horns on your um, in your music and, and even the organ and keyboards. Um, yeah. When you're putting songs together, do you kind of just let those guys kind of come in after you've got like a, a guitar, bass, drum sort of thing, and just kind of flavor it with the horns, or do you write cognizant of okay, this is you know this would be a nice place for a swell of brass. How do you approach those in particular? Well, I'm a very stripped down type person. I really like things like my last record was only um, guitar, organ and drums, you know, with the organ playing the bass and everything. And I like stuff really stripped down. But I felt like on this record, okay, let's stick with this Southern soul blues, you know, like let's stick with this, this format. So I think that certain types of blues, you know, horns are fun, you know? So I was like, let's put some horns on there this time. You know, I've done the strip down thing and I just kind of want to dress up the blues a little bit, you know, cause it seems like a lot of times today, a lot of people resort to blues rock or they resort to really traditional or like really like, you know, swampy kind of. Stuff. So I was kind of like, man, well, let's try and take this in more of a dress up way. Let's produce it like they used to do in the 80s. You know, like Texas Flood by Stevie Ray Vaughan was sort of produced like a pop record in a way or Robert Cray. And that was on the radio. So I wanted to try and take that concept, you know, have some horns a little bit, you know, on on certain songs. And then, you know, like blend that with Chicago blues, you know, so you kind of have the Chicago kind of a little bit rougher edge with the more polished stuff. You know, it was like I really thought about that, you know, to try and do something a little bit different, you know, and just produce it a little bit more, you know, have a more of a slicker sound on certain yeah. stuff. 
Now, I, one of the things I noticed on, um, I think it was Struggle for Grace really struck out of me because I could feel, I could feel, maybe I'm wrong, but I could feel some Robert Cray in the, the style of the song. But your voice on that song to me, I was like, if you had just given me that and said, you know, here's a long lost Albert King track, because your voice to me sounds like you were just channeling the man. Do you get that a lot? Um <laughs> You know, I do get um, sometimes compared a little bit to Albert King, you know, and I think that's just by me listening to so much Albert King, because I think that Albert King actually had one of the most fantastic voices because it had so much vibe to it, where Mm. you have other people like Bobby Bland and these really amazing, like, you know, they could do anything, you know, they wanted to do. Albert King just had such a style and he could really, he was really an underrated singer to me, you know, so I I definitely listened to him a lot. And that's actually another influence because, you know, Albert King on his records, especially in the late 60s, early 70s, he would blend like R&B songs with straight ahead blues. So I'm like, man, we need to revisit this stuff, (laughs) you know? Yeah. I could almost sense that a little bit on um, Love is More Than a Word. I almost felt, to me, like it had a little bit of Otis Redding kind of in the feel of the song. Yeah. When I was listening to it. So I I agree with you wholeheartedly. It's nice to feel that, you know, kind of blending. You know, you don't need to necessarily make every song sound like you're in a swamp. Yeah. Um, You know. It's cool. I mean, you know. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's it's kind of. You can listen at the record and tell that I I love that stuff, too. You know, there's certain things. But, you know, yeah. I want to do something a little different. Yeah, it certainly came out well. Well, Kirk, I don't want to keep you. Obviously, you're a busy man. Uh, Just one question, obviously. Sure. Uh, In the U.S., obviously, touring is is just ground to a halt. And you're you're releasing this album in September. Um, Yeah. Does, does where you're at now give you any opportunity to play live or, or is it kind of in a shutdown situation for the moment? Well, it's it's more a little bit more promising than the U.S., but it's still pretty slow. But, you know, really, I, I've really kind of accepted it. You know, it's like, what am I going to do? <laughs> you know, I'm a blues player and it's been a struggle the whole time. You know, it's been up, it's been down, it's been all over the map. So this is just another part of the story, really. So I, I like I've learned how to like accept certain things, you know, and like I was down for like three or four months, you know, because this really got me down. But then I was like, man, okay, I have to accept this and it, and I got to try and figure out something else like I always have for most of my life because this is all I've ever done. So, you know, I'm just doing stuff on YouTube. I'm doing private lessons just for like fun to, to teach and to like talk about the blues with students that are awesome, you know, so it gave me a new lease on it, as well as listening to other music and starting to gradually write again, so Yeah, yeah. certainly should have no lack of things to write blues songs about in 2020 <laughs> yeah. I mean, just turn on the news or look out the window and, and Man, tell me about it <laughs> inspiration, if if someone were, were interested in, in, you know teaching, you, you teaching uh, where could they find info on that well, you know, I do, I've done like a small little batch of it and I'm going to do another round of lessons for a week or so or a week or two. So I'll probably 
start that up. You know, you can find out the information on my website, KirkFletcherBand.com, or on Instagram, Kirk Fletcher Music on Instagram. That's a, you know, the, the Kirk Fletcher Music Instagram is really immediate. I post stuff every day, pretty much. And YouTube is pretty immediate too these days because I have more time. <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Every musician now has to be an amateur film producer. Totally. In a, a social media marketer, that's kind of the key to survival right now. You can worry about scales and modes later. Learn how to use YouTube and Facebook first. <laughs> totally. And now I've just been talk, you know, telling stories and stuff and little guitar tips and little stuff that I've picked up over the years of playing and stuff. And people seem to like it because it's a little different you know it's like it's not so much guitar acrobat you know like the the technical part of it is more like my philosophy on funky rhythm or blues or shuffles or something like that you know so yeah it's a good way to stay active well kurt i want to thank you so much uh, again the new album my blues pathway is out september help me out with the date again 20 yeah. something september 25th Okay, September 25th will obviously be available on all the usual sites. And uh, I saw you have it available on purple vinyl, so that's an awesome yeah. <laughs> awesome thing from the record company there. So you can get to that from your website as well. Kirk, I want to thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, a big thank you to Kirk Fletcher for joining us on Iron City Rocks. Again, his album My Blues Pathway will be out September 25th on Cleopatra Records. You can visit his website at KirkFletcherBand.com uh, Kurt, uh, I think a real hidden gem in the blues uh, world um, you know, a guy who I, I've seen before didn't uh, honestly take the time to give it uh, I think a fair listen and I, I got a, a link to the new album and I put it on, I was like, oh my god, this guy sounds so much like Albert King when he sings and he's got such a soul uh, to his playing um, just a phenomenally nice guy, so it was really a pleasure to talk to him, so sure you check that out, KurtFletcherBand.com. Uh, also, uh, visit us at IronCityRocks.com. Uh, you can visit us on social media. We are forward slash IronCityRocks on everything. Also, IronCityRocks at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. Uh, appreciate suggestions, bands you might be interested in hearing from uh, or hearing again from. Um, obviously, 2020 has been a very weird time for the music industry. We haven't been putting shows out quite as much as we'd like to. Uh, because of really the lack of touring you know we we like to and and really enjoy talking to artists who are coming into uh, Pittsburgh you know on a tour you know get people interested in coming out the shows help promoters put people in the seats help these artists continue to tour obviously it's been a very strange year for touring music um, with the exception of some of some shows at the Starlight drive-in up in Butler Pennsylvania there's been really a lack of live music uh, starting to see some shows in other areas in Belvernon. We see on October 3rd, Blue Oyster Cult is going to be doing a show. So there's some places outside of the city of Pittsburgh. Uh, if you're interested in live music, there are still places you can see. And some establishments have got live music acts playing outside and things. So certainly encourage you uh, to get out and support those musicians. Um, it doesn't hurt also to buy their music. Uh, and I think we're all... Probably at this point, it's safe to assume that everybody's subscribed to some sort of streaming service for your 10 bucks or 15 bucks a month, but the artist gets so little of that that, um, you know, take the time to, to 
purchase a CD, purchase a download, purchase the vinyl, um, buy a T-shirt, buy some guitar picks, something. Help the you help these guys are struggling. So if you're in a position where you can do that, we encourage you to. Uh, in the meantime, keep listening to the music. You know, the, the, it never hurts to buy the album and then listen to it on Spotify and kind of double dip on the royalties for these guys. So invite you again check out kurtfletcherband.com you can visit our website for 444 previous podcasts with all kinds of different music so if you like the blues we have quite a bit of blues musicians on if you like the southern rock classic rock heavy metal thrash um i think we've kind of run the gamut on on the types of music on this show so we hope you enjoy that variety um let us know ironcityrocks at gmail.com hey play more thrash metal hey quit playing southern rock whatever let us know. We'd love to hear it. Love the feedback. So, till next time, it's been an absolute pleasure, and I want to thank you for listening. <laughs>